to what degree are we able and ready and willing to take into consideration and to really take serious that we are humans with the human quality of asking the questions, why are we doing this? Hello, I am Helena Planet. Welcome to the New Work and New Organizational Models podcast, hosted by the Planet and Partner Think Tank. And welcome to our guest, Professor Ingo Stolz from the Lucerne University of Applied Sciences and Arts. Hi, Helena. Ingo, you are the co-head of the Competence Center for Business Development, Leadership and HR, and you are a professor for international leadership and management which is kind of self-explanatory about what your particular research interests are, where they lie. And you have mentioned to me that what is the core of your interests, of your passion in research, is how to stimulate learning in organizations. So welcome again, also on behalf of my co-host, the Campbell, our Planet and Partner mascot and special advocate for taking the long-term view. Today, we will be talking about leadership and collaboration in a boundaryless age. And that leads me to our first question. So how did you come to being a researcher in these areas? What led your career into these areas? And what is, and perhaps you have already mentioned about your core passion, but what is, uh, what can you elaborate on it? Yeah, interestingly, um, I came to focus on this topic of leadership and collaboration in a boundaryless age because I was interested in boundaries. So I still remember from um, early on, I was interested in the other. I'm actually a child of the Cold War. You might uh, notice my accent. I'm German originally. I'm a West German and I was always interested in the other, which has been, which was the communist German part, the Soviet Union, we had family there. So I was always aware that I'm part of a group, part of a context, but I was at the same time aware that there were other groups and other contexts. And I was interested in those and the bit boundary between them. So when I'm looking at leadership and collaboration in the boundaryless age, I very much still focus on the boundarylessness, but also on the boundaries that still exist. And I guess it's in my DNA. It's really a core interest from the from the gut. It's not only visceral and, 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 and conceptual, but something that I really do feel passionate about. And I felt throughout my life stages, I approach this topic from different perspectives. So I developed from this Cold War perspective to a global perspective in the early 2000s when globalization was key. Now, digitization has to do with boundarylessness also. So I come again and again from different perspective to this core passion of mine. What do borders mean in a boundarylessness, boundaryless age? And what do they enable? And what do they make more difficult? So that's me. Yeah, that's my core interest and my core passion. Yeah, thank you. So um, that means uh, boundaryless leadership and 
collaboration are like a big part of what you are working on. How would you describe this area? What are the main aspects? Yeah, I think what we are in a business context or in an organizational context, we are always interested in flow, in efficiency, um, in transnational, international, global supply chains, um, in reducing borders and creating this boundaryless area. Um, and what I would describe in a nutshell, however, is that more often than not, it's not the boundarylessness that needs description to manage oneself and the organization in this area effectively and efficiently. But rather, one needs to describe the boundaries that still exist and need to be managed within this area and within this space to make oneself and the organization effective. So it's this balancing act uh, between um, um, convergence and divergence. That's a topic that is kind of the uh, academic wording of this. To what degree does everything become the same and similar and create an open space without borders, a boundaryless space? Or to what degree do we still need to uh, take into account forces of divergence where um, the borders, the differences, the others still shape very much the interactions within this space. And for me, in a nutshell, it is researching this balance between convergence and divergence, researching this balance between boundarylessness and still focusing on the differences within um, that is a core challenges of businesses today and often uh, often neglected challenges of business of today. That's true that some of these aspects are being overlooked and neglected. Could you perhaps give us an overview of what are the main um, tendencies of convergence and where you see the tendencies of divergence or obstacles to a boundaryless uh, world of collaboration? Well, the tendencies of convergence is just, and, and I understand this, it's, it makes us um, lazy in our thinking. When we assume that um, forces, that markets, that businesses, organization, human beings converge, I can assume that the other, the other market, the other business, the other individual behaves, thinks and acts like me. Because ultimately that's what the convergence says, right? Everything becomes the same, is similar, and is in uh, reacting and reacting within a within one sphere within which the same rules, norms, and values apply. So I can uh, in essence assume the other is like me, right? Because when we are the same, the others are similar to me, right? And it makes us too easy thinkers. So kind of, it, and, and in a world driven by efficiency, by a lack of energy in investing in deep thinking, but in kind of a Pareto principle world of a 80-20% um, world, I only make an 80% effort to um, achieve the maximum of results. 
this world of convergence makes me lazy in thinking because I can, I can assume the other is like me. Um, so it's a dominant force in our business context, this assumption of similarity and this assumption of boundarylessness. And to some degree, it is true, right? We find evidence of that uh, very much so. When we observe market developments and global developments, we find evidence of this uh, tendency towards becoming um, similar and to becoming a converging world. But on the other hand, um, to really, we, we more and more also talk about um, niches, about what is our uh, unique selling proposition um, to the degree that um, we can't assume that everybody is the same again, but rather there are different sectors of audiences or of clients we have to cater to with very different needs. Then this divergent thing, thinking comes into play, but it's often rather late in the process of business thinking. And that's something therefore I focus on to bring this more to the forefront so that it doesn't get forgotten within this laziness of similarity. Uh, that means you also focus on the intercultural aspect of the boundaryless collaboration and, and leadership. And now you were uh, addressing perhaps more the collaboration, communication in general. Perhaps you can say something about the particular challenges in leadership. Yeah, I mean, the intercultural challenge is evident. It's been evident for a long time that um, we moved from intercultural, global, and transnational education and the, the challenges to what degree am I able to lead teams and projects that uh, have different motivational um, um, antecedents than I would have within me or within a local team. And so bridging kind of this motivational and psychological barriers and these barriers of characteristics um, of goal setting. Um, so that's uh, that's basically the, the intercultural challenges um, that are evident. Um, but I think what's within the challenge within that is that the, in these differences become more and more nuanced and more and more invisible. Let's see, let's let's talk about what we now do, Helena, you and I, we are now doing this podcast remotely, right? We don't sit at the same location. So I can assume even more with that, uh, without encountering you um, that you are in a similar context than me. So with digitization, this assumption of similarity becomes even stronger and therefore leadership is an ever an human-centered leadership that focuses on basic needs, but also on motivational aspects is ever more challenging because it has to ever more explicitly focus and make time and create energy around um, the human differences that lie within my team members. And uh, so the, 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 the tendencies, the daily work we are doing, remote work, geographical, uh, uh, geographical distances that are crossed virtually, intercultural differences 
are ever more difficult to um, to notice, to see, and it is ever more a challenge for a leader um, to focus ex especially on those um, to create um, to create energy that then leads to a um, to a unique seller pro proposition of the team and of the organization. Yes, indeed, we are today not at the same location. And in fact, we have worked together for a long time on uh, various projects. And uh, we have never met in a physical place. Uh, but I feel I know you well. And I think that this um, boundaryless work of collaboration into which we are moving nowadays leads us to question and to rethink what does it mean to be a team, to work together, what is important, what does it mean uh, to get to know each other, uh, what, what is authenticity, uh, what is authentic. You were addressing that uh, in what you just said. Perhaps you can elaborate a bit further. Yeah, I mean, one example is what you just said. We know each other well, right? And because we not only um, communicate and interact transactionally, which is often a focus in, 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 in virtual or remote work, in, in, in virtual work, that the transactional, the result rules. But we explicitly make time because we are experienced in doing that. We explicitly make time for alternative channels, cha uh, channels or alternative communication streams where we focus on each other, where we focus on who you are, where you live, what your goals are, and who am I with my goals and my context. So we can say we know we have the feeling, despite the fact that we haven't ever met, we have the feeling that we know each other because we do that. It's a very simple technique that has been applied, but it is a technique that needs application because when we only perceive the boundarylessness as a space for um, achieving results efficiently, um, then we neglect an important aspect. That doesn't mean we necessarily need to see each other. We need to cross this boundary in the physical realm that we see each other not only virtually, but really on within a room or within a specific context. But nevertheless, this distance does exist and it needs bridging. And we do that um, consciously. And I think that's also one of the key things that leaders need to take into account within these converging world, that these boundaries nevertheless exist that they not necessarily need to be bridged in the physical space, but that they need to be bridged um, in an alternative communication channel or through alternative communication means, and especially by focusing not only on the transactional, but also on the human aspect and the transformational, what makes human tick. And it seems to me that we did that, and therefore, as a result, we can um collaborate not only efficiently together but also effectively and as humans yes i agree and thank you um so there you address also questions of 
I think it leads to the question also how technology supports us, uh, the, the boundaries that you mentioned, and how, and that leads to the question how technology will support us as it is developing very fast, and how that will further develop our behaviors in boundaryless collaboration. And that leads me to the question of my co-host. Uh, Campbell is the advocate of the long-term view, and for this reason would like to know how do you see the, the mid-term, long-term development, uh, how, but uh, especially where do you see the positive impact on the world? Of technology? Not just of technology, of technology and what it enables. Technology oh. is only the basic, basic tool. You know, interestingly, this is also a project we collaborate on around hybrid leadership using advanced information technologies. That technology does enable a lot and it is so smart now that the other is technology, which means so far we use technology using mail, then telephone, then video conferencing and so on. We used technology as a means with which we could interact with each other, with another human being. And technology is now, and that has started also so, uh, several years ago, but it's getting more and more to the state that we use technology directly. So it's this machine human interaction so that the other is not only not is the talk technology itself. Technology is not only the means through which we cross boundaries towards another individual, but is the other itself because with artificial intelligence, it becomes this other. So we can externalize competencies and skills, and we did that uh, um, uh, already. We can externalize more and more skills and competencies towards also very human skills and competencies to an artificial intelligence or to a machine who assists us in thinking and moving and whatever. So this interaction with the machine becomes now the boundary and I'm interested in what what the boundary actually is. To what degree do we need to establish, to what degree does it become natural that this delegation to of our competencies and skills um, is not something that also converges, that the machine is me and I'm the machine. That would be kind of a converging force but that there is still an interaction that I do lead the machine and the machine is not a part of me, but it's still an other. And to me, that seems to be a skill that is of crucial importance in the future. How do you, or a crucial, also almost philosophical question in the, in the, in, in the future, how do individuals, how do people interact with machines? What does that actually mean? In terms of efficiency, that's clear, right? But in terms of effectiveness, of meaning, of a deep understanding of strategic decision-making, in what context do I need use it in what way? These questions seem to me still unanswered, both in academe and in daily practice. And that's really a fascinating topic to me, um, to what uh, this, 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 this space that we create 
when we interact with machines. And the next, I guess, the next stepping stone in that, when Apple is as successful as in the past with its devices, when this um, Apple, these Apple classes come on the market next year, when we have this immersive experience, I mean, it's already exists with Oculus, right? Uh, Meta has this, but it's not so broadly di uh, diffused within society. But if you can imagine Apple has a success and every other person have, has this device and it becomes common to interact with machines in that way, these questions will become relevant and they will most likely already happen next year or the latest in two years that this is a very mass phenomenon and, and, and then a really an urgent question. Yes, I agree again. Indeed, you have addressed two megatrends of technology there, of AI and of uh, immersive technologies, immersive communication and collaboration technologies. And it's not just the technology, as you say, it's the behaviors, uh, the challenges in organization and communication and the opportunities that come with it. So perhaps um, in all this complexity, all this fast development, what would be your top recommendations for businesses? Yeah, it, 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 um, I mean, the top recommendation is what I, what I do when I interact with businesses. I, I, um, I start with very simple metaphor, and it's a metaphor of time. And it's a metaphor of 10 minutes. And it's a metaphor, okay, we are now working, we are on our daily routines, we are moving forward, we are efficient. And let's now think about 10 minutes that we define differently, that we behave differently, that we think about uh, deeply about the reasons why we do things, about the strategic antecedents why we do things, about our interactions, why, why it is that way. So for me, the stepping stone is um, the stepping stone for deeper thinking is um, kind of a, 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 a providing a vessel for deep reflection and time and discuss with businesses and its individuals, with managers, I have these discussions. How would they fill those that um, uh, with themes and topics that in their daily routine don't happen? And the discussions that emerge around this space that I create, okay, here I, I, I give you 10 minutes. I, it's, no, it's not predefined at all. Let's fill this with something that actually does make sense. These discussions around this are often um, enriching and enlarging and enabling individuals to start thinking outside the box truly and about the other. And often the other is in oneself. So themes like this then emerge. So this is a very simple technique and a very thing. What, what, what lies within this technique is um, um, refocusing not only of finding refocusing on not only finding solutions, but asking the right questions. 
And that's a skill that gets ever difficult, ever more difficult, it feels to me, because solutions are so easy to be found. You can ask ChatGPT for a solution. You have it in five seconds. Is it the right solution? I don't know. You would have to answer that question. But it's at least a solution that doesn't make sense on the surface. And if you implement it, you might be actually good enough. But in an era where we get provided solutions so easily, the, 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 the taking time to not, uh, ask the right questions is really <laughs> of essence, of value, and of ever greater difficulty. Indeed, indeed. So what you are saying in summary is that uh, critical thinking cannot be delegated or outsourced. Uh, it, it is um, our responsibility. It is and remains forever our responsibility. And, as a res and it's a, a responsibility if you think in the context of a leader, not only for oneself, but to stimulate that. Um, in the organization, and if you're a team leader, you do it with your uh, with with the team. If you're uh, if you're a departmental leader, you you're already thinking about systems and how to create these areas within which this can um, happen. On the one hand, and to think about what and um, how how these areas need to be designed that the individuals within are stimulated with um uh, are stimulated to do that indeed yeah indeed so you have touched on a number of uh, of business of organizational of technological and even philosophical questions is there some point that you would highlight you would like to highlight at the end yeah, I would like I, I would really like to highlight our challenge that I see. And it's abstract, but I guess it's concrete in our daily interactions. To what degree are we as humans and also as workers, as leaders, um, willing and able, skillful, and um, ready to raise above the fray, which is ever more um, providing sensible solutions, um, that is ever more converging towards, seemingly converging to a common goal that does make sense, where sense-making is provided to us so easily. To what degree are we able and ready and willing um, to take into consideration and to really take serious that we are humans with the human quality of asking the questions, why are we doing this? Indeed, yeah, it uh, leads all back to the to the why and to the meaning. So many thanks, Ingo, for these insights, for being with us here today, for sharing these insights with our audience. It has been a great pleasure having this conversation. Many thanks.
Thank you, Alan, and thank you for the opportunity.